1 Samuel 14, 24 to 46. And the men of Israel had been hard pressed that day. So Saul had laid an oath on the people saying, cursed be the man who eats food until it is evening and I am avenged on my enemies. So none of the people had tasted food. Now, when all the people came to the forest, behold, there was honey on the ground. And when the people entered the forest, behold, the honey was dropping, but no one put his hand to his mouth for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan had not heard his father charge the people with the oath. So he put out the tip of his staff that was in his hand and dipped it in the honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth and his eyes became bright. Then one of the people said, your father strictly charged the people with an oath saying, curse be the man who eats food this day. And the people were faint. Then Jonathan said, my father has troubled the land. See how my eyes have become bright because I tasted a little of this honey How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies that they found. For now the defeat among the Philistines has not been great. They struck down the Philistines that day from Michmash to Aijalon, and the people were very faint. The people pounced on the spoil and took sheep and oxen and calves and slaughtered them on the ground, and the people ate them with the blood. Then they told Saul, Behold, the people are sinning against the Lord by eating with the blood. And he said, You have dealt treacherously. Roll a great stone to me here. And Saul said, Disperse yourselves among the people and say to them, Let every man bring his ox or his sheep and slaughter them here and eat. And do not sin against the Lord by eating with the blood. So every one of the people brought his ox with him that night, and they slaughtered them there. And Saul built an altar to the Lord. It was the first altar that he built to the Lord. Then Saul said, Let us go down after the Philistines by night and plunder them until the morning light. Let us not leave a man of them. And they said, Do whatever seems good to you. But the priest said, Let us draw near to God here. Then Saul inquired of God, Shall I go down after the Philistines? Will you give them into the hand of Israel? But he did not answer him that day. And Saul said, Come here, all you leaders of the people, and know and see how this sin has arisen today. For as the Lord lives who saves Israel, though it be in Jonathan my son, he shall surely die. But there was not a man among all the people who answered him. Then he said to all Israel, You shall be on one side, and I and Jonathan, my son, will be on the other side. And the people said to Saul, Do what seems good to you. Therefore Saul said, O Lord God of Israel, why have you not answered your servant this day? If this guilt is in me or in Jonathan, my son, O Lord God of Israel, give Urim. But if this guilt is in your people, Israel, give Thuman. And Jonathan and Saul were taken, but the people escaped. Then Saul said, Cast the lot between me and my son Jonathan. And Jonathan was taken. And then Saul said to Jonathan, Tell me what you have done. And Jonathan told him, I tasted a little honey with the tip of the staff that was in my hand. Here I am. I will die. And Saul said, God do so to me and more also. You shall surely die, Jonathan. Then the people said to Saul, Shall Jonathan die, who has worked this great salvation in Israel? Far from it. As the Lord lives, there shall not be one hair of his head fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. 
So the people ransomed Jonathan so that he did not die. Then Saul went up from pursuing the Philistines, and the Philistines went to their own place. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Well, a very interesting and kind of bizarre <laughs> story here. Yes. Um, that reminds me of the other, the story in Judges. I can't remember who, but there's another rash vow. Um, oh, Jephthah? Jephthah. Yeah, yeah Jephthah's yeah, yeah. rash vow, which is an even weirder story. Right. And so <laughs> when you see rash vow, you know it's going to be a fun time. Yeah. So we have, you know, we're coming off the heels of this battle and it, it's kind of an interesting context here that we'll dive to dive into more in a moment but basically Saul makes this really heavy-handed um, vow or oath against the people saying that until they absolutely like crush this opposing army no one can eat and Jonathan misses the memo has a little bit of honey off his staff as one does. Right. Um, and then there, the Lord is silent before Saul. Saul can sense something is going on. So Jennifer, help me understand like what, <laughs> you know, what's happening. Why is it happening? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, there's a lot going on, but, I will say this is one of those stories in the Old Testament where you read and you think, is it really like what what is wrong? Like, why is God opposing Saul? Like, I don't know. I, there is a thing where you have a little bit of sympathy for him. Like he's he's trying. It seems mm. like he's trying to sure. do the thing right, sure. like to defeat the Philistines. So obviously, though, he does not have the support of God in this. So there's something going on in his heart. And I think we can see it through his actions. And I think it's interesting that the story starts out that the people were hard pressed that day. Mm. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of battles um, with the Philistines and that actually is a phrase that was, I think referenced in first um, Samuel 13 was another time that the people were hard pressed yeah. and Jonathan led them into battle and the Philistines really rallied and, and came after them and the people had a lot of fear and they deserted um, Saul and the army. So it's like Saul is has this memory and now he is taking this into his own hands and thinking, what can yeah. I do to keep the people from deserting me? Yeah, yeah. Um, again, which I think is important to see that Saul is putting himself in the center of the story now. So he's, how can I control the people? How can I keep them from defer, you know, deserting yeah. me? How can I defeat my enemies? He's very much in the center here. So he, he makes this rash vow, which is really you know, it doesn't make any sense. Like, why would you say that the people can't eat? Um, they're obviously not going to have a lot of strength if they don't eat, and yet you're going into battle. So it is a, a stupid vow. It doesn't make any mm -hmm. sense. It's just controlling. Um, but he does make this vow, and then, of course, we see this play out where, like you said, Jonathan didn't hear it. He uh, actually eats of the honey. Mm -hmm. You know, the people are terrified on his behalf, and it does come to this um, kind of casting of lots uh, situation where it's identified, um, you know, what has happened. But I'll say Saul is interpreting what you see in this. Saul's interpreting all the events as the center of his own narrative. So mm -hmm. when he sees, mm -hmm. um, you know, even when the lots are cast in the favor, you can see he's pitting himself and Jonathan against the people. It lands on him and Jonathan. He's then he pits himself against Jonathan and lands on Jonathan and he doesn't listen to the rational, you know, the reasonableness of what the P Jonathan says about, you know, like he knows Jonathan didn't even hear him say this, but he also, 
you know, is putting himself in the narrative of that he sees this as his battle and yeah. his enemies yeah. and he's very much self-centered right now. So that gives us a hint, like where his heart is. Yeah. It's not for the Lord. Yeah. That's, that's something I, I picked up on even in this first opening quote from Saul, curse be the man who eats food until it is evening. And I am avenged on my enemies. That right. is, you know, that, that is not grounded, like godly biblical way of thinking about battle you know right we think i'm just thinking of these phrases that are flowing my mind of like the battle belongs to the lord you you know kind of like when we see these old testament kings in their right mind in submission to god going into battle right they're like confident in the lord the battle is the lord's it's the lord's enemies and so yeah Yeah. i I think that's like 100 percent true that saul has placed himself at the middle of the narrative at the Mm -hmm. center of the narrative and it's really interesting like he hasn't it's not like he's viewing himself as defiant to God because actually, you know, there there's this scene where they finally crush right. the battle and it's like That's right. the people just start slaying animals and eating them right yeah, so there. Like not even draining hungry the blood. They must be yeah. and then they're he, eating raw flesh exactly. with blood. Yeah. And then he gets mad that, you know, he kind of gets on his high horse about how they're sinning against the Lord. Right. And I know there's this interesting, like subtle dichotomy of like, are the people going to sin against Saul or are they going to sin against the Lord? Right. That in one sense, their, their allegiances are like pitted against one another. And because the people out of fear are obedient to Saul, it, you know, you can't serve two masters. Like they, their fear of the Lord diminishes because they have such great fear of Saul. And he's stoking that. Yeah. You can say that even in the, the oath, right. Making them fearful of him. Absolutely. Right. And so zooming out on the narrative of first Samuel, you know, we've talked about how basically when Saul becomes King before that Samuel gives this huge warning about how oppressive and tyrannical a King will be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, God, accuses the people of rejecting him and at first when Saul becomes king you know they're still serving the Lord and Mm -hmm. Saul is like fearing the Lord and they're winning these battles and Saul's Mm -hmm. bringing liberation to the people and so it kind of seems like Samuel and God were like wrong for a little bit like it seems like they actually aren't rejecting the Lord and the king is actually supporting them but you know as, as with all matters over time, God's word will show itself to be true. And so we begin to see that warning of Samuel of this oppressive, self-centered, manipulative king that starts to like be fulfilled here. Right. Now they, um, you can see even in, and I think again, this is hard because you see like, well, it seems like he cares about whether or not they are keeping the law because of the mm-hmm. eating with blood, he's setting up an altar, but it's like, he's never seeing himself as the reason, even like Samuel had told him there, there is a time when you will call on the Lord and he will not answer you. Yeah. And so this is the time where he called on the Lord and the Lord mm-hmm. didn't answer him. Yeah. And he immediately yeah. finds fault with the people he's, yeah. he's blaming, he's looking to place fault on other people. He's not humble. Yeah. Um, and it is destroying not only mm-hmm. him, but it's destroying the people. And you see that this is why his kingship is failing. He was meant to save the people from, he was anointed to save them from the full, the Philistines. And it's his own sin that is, um, causing their God to 
resist him and he himself is not expressing any faith mm. in God, yeah. any knowledge of who God is, who's actually winning their battles for yeah, them. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. And longing for his people to know and to serve the God who has anointed him for this purpose. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. He, he's readopted that like houseplant, good luck charm mentality yeah. where God's this thing you take care of so that when you need him, right. like he's in good shape and ready to go. And I think it just reminds me for us and like the takeaway, like where we are, I, I keep thinking about Psalm 14, isn't it? Um, a fool says in his heart, there is no God. Mm-hmm. And I've all, often read that as like, you know, atheists, yeah. you know, or whatever. But actually it says, uh, and, and Samuel says, you know, Saul is foolish, but he, it's like a fool says in his heart. It's like this kind mm-hmm. of, we can say like, yeah. give lip service to God, but like what's really going on in your heart and you see it in your actions and like how totally. you respond to sin, totally. how you respond to in your own life and conviction and all of this fruit of Fear or faith? Yeah, right? absolutely. And it leads to this point where, you know, Saul is ready and willing, though it seems that there's like this inner turmoil. He's ready and willing to kill his own son. Mm. And I think even on a practical level, that's just a good reminder of what happens when we play, when we live as the center of our narrative. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody, even the people that we love and cherish most, like become expendable. And, you know, Saul early on, like he he actually does in his words, like there is like in the earlier passages of the book, it's like he does have a healthy view of Israel and of the people and of God. And, you know, that here it's like he he seems to just hate like the people of Israel. Right. And his he's pitted against his own son and Mm -hmm. he just seems angry and unhinged and it's just a good reminder to place the lord and his kingdom at the center of our narrative and then other people you know right and um to be self-forgetful so yeah exactly and i think just even saying all that it just points you to our ultimate king and um you know again another innocent son who willingly died um, on our behalf to save us from this terrible, yeah. you know, condition, human condition, this sinful heart that leads us into mm-hmm. such wrong paths, even when we think it seems good. You know, it seemed it seemed like the right thing to do to Saul. He was so blinded yeah. by his own yeah. um, pride. But um, thank God for the ultimate thank king. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, all right. Well, for Jennifer McClish, I'm Will Carlisle. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.